G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. This is Sunday Morning Together across Australia on Vision Christian Radio. And let me introduce to you my guest right now, and I better sit up straight because I have here the first assistant bishop of the Lutheran Church uh, in the region of Queensland, at least. Pastor, reverend, all-round good guy, I'm told. Ben (laughs) Henschke, how are you, Ben? I'm very well, thank you. And yourself? I'm excellent. And uh, I don't know that I've had a a bishop in before. Okay. Well, you better use my, you know, proper terms and titles and say all the right things. No. (laughs) No, yeah. I, I'm not reporting you or anyone. You're oh, all good. It's okay. great great to be here and, and really looking forward to the, the next few hours. Yeah, it's funny when you use terms like bishop mm. and all of a sudden you get a picture in your mind mm. uh, and when I read your background that you at one point in your life drove road trains, yes. those, those things don't kind of go together. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, it is. Yeah, yeah, I'm not the stereotypical bishop. Um, yes, we don't have cameras in here, but uh, yes, for those that can see me as well, uh, yeah, probably don't fit the description that they might have in their head. Yeah. So you've been around in ministry for quite a long time. Yes. Uh, in the Lutheran Church. Mm-hmm. Um, as you look back over all of that, what, what, what do you see? What sort of, what sort of um, challenges have there been or, or things that really enthuse you and encourage you over that period? I think just seeing, I, I love seeing people motivated and passionate about Jesus and wanting to share his love, his grace with their local community. Mm. For me, local church is the hope of the world and people going out and sharing that at that real local grassroots level um, in a way that sometimes people in big offices like I might sit in at times can't do. Mm. That's what excites me. That's what gets me out of bed in the morning to do what I do is encouraging, empowering people to go and do that. That's really the heart of uh, of Jesus and his mm. mission for us, isn't it? It's it's grassroots. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's not ivory tower stuff. It's it's local, real local. And and that's yeah. Well, in part of my story, I grew up in a local little country town, um, and it was yeah doing that on on a Sunday, sharing, but also then through the week, sharing the love of Christ in in whatever many different ways that that mm. took place. And that little town in the Adelaide Hills. Mm-hmm. Uh, and of course, a, a lot of Lutheran history around that uh, whole area, great heritage. Do you feel sometimes that you sort of stand on the shoulders of, of giants that have gone before you? Well, a little bit. I, I do sort of joke with my wife at times that um, when if I am to die, and I'm not hoping for that anytime soon, um, that you know when I get buried in the cemetery there at Birdwood is my plan. That, okay. Right. That the crucifix on my grave is higher than the other. I say grand poo bars that are already there. Um, no, look, there's some big, big names, particularly within the Lutheran tradition, um, that are there um, and and have been part of that community. And I guess, yeah, building on from yeah, 500 years since the Reformation, give or take, mm. um, continuing to go out and and really bring grace to light. Mm. Well, thank you so much for spending some time with us today. I'm looking forward to hearing some stories, yeah. uh, getting to know you a little bit more, and, of course, we're going to share communion together, and you'll bring us the best five-minute sermon we'll hear today 
a bit later on this morning. No pressure there. But <laughs> None to you. Yeah, it's yeah, going to be we'll good go. though, right? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Sunday morning together across Australia on Vision Christian Radio. My guest and co-host today uh, is Pastor Ben Henschke, uh, and he's with the Lutheran Church and has been for many years. And we were just chatting while those songs are playing about mm. some of the history uh, mm. with the Lutheran Church. There's a, a huge, rich history of uh, really outreach, I suppose. Um, yeah. How much of that are you familiar with? Oh, look, a, a little bit, bits and pieces. Um, we did classes when I was at college um, about this as well. Um, but, yeah, particularly within both um, Adelaide um, and, yeah, in, in that Adelaide precinct and, mm-hmm. and also here in Queensland. Um, some of the first free settlers in Queensland were Lutheran. And, of course, throughout the Northern Territory. I, I remember earlier in the year I had the privilege of being able to go out to uh, the Forgiveness Cross at Haas Bluff, which is right mm-hmm. on the edge of the Western Desert. And there's a connection there to Lutheran missionaries, Indigenous, four Indigenous guys who came to that area in 1923. Mm-hmm. And there was a revival as a result of mm-hmm. that. Um, and, you know, that's it's amazing when you think about it would have been pretty pretty tough going, I would imagine, out there. It is now, but even back then. Oh, yeah, really. And for a lot of these European guys who would have been the first missionaries out there, you know, like they're still wearing their long, long big suits and <laughs> black ties and things. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, they, they really had a passion to share the gospel with the Indigenous people. Um, started with Sherman and Teichelman um, there in Adelaide. Um, back, oh, I want to say 180, 185 years ago now, mm-hmm. um, quite some time. And then from there they migrated north, as in the missionaries, yeah. um, to share that gospel. And still there's a number of um, yeah, Lutheran missionaries and evangelists that work uh, both in Hermansburg, but then uh, many of the surrounding communities there around Alice as well. Because mm, Hermansburg has been a, a big centre, if you like, for mission work, hasn't it? Yeah, absolutely. For many years and, and still today, there's probably, yeah, the centre point of the Lutheran mission particularly um, in Central Australia. Mm. I mean, we're in the middle of a, a pretty divisive time in mm. our history uh, where Indigenous matters are right at the heart of that. As a Christian, as a leader, as a Christian, what would you say you know, Christians should be doing today? How should we be praying for our nation today? I think we want to pray for voices to be heard voices that probably haven't been heard for some time. Um, and, yeah, really just asking for God to continue to provide his grace and his life into this situation. Mm. Yeah, for really, for there's a lot of talk about reconciliation, but ultimately it's reconciliation to God first and foremost. I think if we get that first, right, yep. Yep. get that right, the rest is going to fall into place, isn't it? Absolutely. And, and look, that's, that's still a, a process. It won't happen overnight, um, but we pray that over time it will happen. Mm. Now, very shortly, we're going to share communion together, and I'll get you to to uh, bring us uh, bring our thoughts, uh, you know, sort of into play, if you like, into Absolutely. the into the right space. But before we get there, what advice would you give about how we best prepare our hearts before taking communion? Oh, I think look, we for me, it's about as much as it's being in in the right place. I don't know if sometimes we are in the right place, um, and that's where for me. It's so important that this is what God is up to um, and what God is doing. So that as much as, yeah, we might quiet our minds, settle ourselves and get ready for communion, um, it's really what God is up to. Mm. Um, and because it's God at work, it almost is irrelevant where I'm at because he's the one with the action mm. at that point. Sunday morning together, together with Phil Edwards on Vision Christian Radio. Communion is quite a significant thing. 
and we'll take that together in just a few moments. But just to help us to sort of get our hearts into the right direction, my guest this morning, Pastor Ben Henschke from uh, the Lutheran Church, uh, is going to be uh, bringing us a wonderful message. Sure. Thanks, Phil. Uh, so often I think we, we talk about, we hear people talk about God's love, God's grace and God's forgiveness. But in Holy Communion, I think we take it that next step further. We don't just talk about God and what he gives us, but we receive, like in a very real and tangible way, those gifts that he offers as he's present, like I said, in this meal. And it echoes, I think, for me, Psalm 34, where the psalmist writes, Taste and see the Lord is good. And we get the opportunity every time we share that meal that Jesus provides for us to taste and see that the Lord is good because we receive those good things, grace, love, forgiveness in, with, and under the elements. And gathering at the Lord's table because he is the host, we remember with thanksgiving that it was our Lord Jesus Christ on the night when he was betrayed. He took bread when he'd given thanks. He broke it, gave it to his disciples saying, take and eat. This is my body, which is given for you, And in the same way he took the cup after the supper, when he'd given thanks, he gave it to them and said, drink of it, all of you. This is my blood of the new covenant, which is shed for you for the forgiveness of sins. And do, do this, Jesus says, as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. And I want to focus on Jesus saying, this is for you. Because wherever you're listening, this is certainly for you. As through this meal that God offers to us, we receive forgiveness, true and total forgiveness in a real and tangible way through the elements of communion where Jesus reminds us that he is with us always. And his gift to us preserves our bodies and souls to life everlasting. Now, I've had the joy of eating at some fine dining restaurants before but most meals I've had with don't come with a life everlasting promise attached. But communion is a meal where Jesus is present with us. It is for you, for the forgiveness of your sins. It's a means of grace as God refreshes us through the healing power of this gift of life. So my prayer is always that Holy Communion would strengthen you both in faith toward God and in love towards those around you for the sake of Jesus Christ our Lord. Well, thank you, Pastor Ben. And right now, I'd just like to invite you, if you have uh, perhaps some bread there at the moment, some crackers or something, just as you do, I, I think I would lo- I love to do is actually just to break it because that helps me to think about the broken body of Christ and the sacrifice that Jesus made. So let's take together right now, I invite you to take that bread or that cracker right now. And as you do, and bring your heart toward the Lord, let's remember and declare Uh, the greatness of the sacrifice that he made, and the fact that he is actually coming again. And I'd also like to invite you right now, if you have uh, some juice or something there to represent the, the blood of Christ that was shed for our sins, again, to remember and just think for a moment about the incredible sacrifice he made and the fact that that blood washes our sin away. So as you're ready... Take that right now. And as we do that together, we are remembering what Jesus did. We're also declaring the fact that he is going to return again. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this wonderful opportunity we have to come to you in prayer, to come to you around this meal of Holy Communion, to bring ourselves to you afresh and to declare once again your sovereignty over our lives.
Lord, we ask for your blessing on each and every person listening this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Sunday Morning Together across Australia on Vision Christian Radio. Talking about great things, I believe you're a, a big football fan. Oh, uh, big Man- is an understatement. It's Manchester United, right? Oh, my goodness. <laughs> Help me. Get me out of here. Absolutely not. <laughs> Arsenal Football Club oh, all the way. I see. Okay. Sorry That's- to swear at you. <laughs> <laughs> That's what my daughter says. Exactly. <laughs> Every time I mention the- another team's name, stop swearing at me, Dad. No. <laughs> what is it about uh, English football that-, that captures you? Oh, and I know you yeah. are- you're a tragic, as I understand. Oh, it. yeah. Very. I'm middle of the night. Um, getting up, watching games, um, even started a, a podcast recently with my daughter, Maddie. Really? Um, yeah, aimed just for kids. Um, so we do two 10-minute uh, episodes a week um, based around Arsenal. Um, but look, I grew up playing football or soccer, I guess we call it in Australia, um, as a young kid because all the other sports were actually on Sundays. Mm. And so being church day for us as a family, um, it was, was soccer. I actually finished playing soccer at under 16s because once you moved up to the next level, once again, it was on Sundays. And so it was just part of, no, we don't, don't do Sundays are sacred for us as a family. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, it was, uh, sticking to it till then, um, and then yeah, favorite player in the oh look was back in the '94 World Cup, um, and yeah, favorite player Thierry Henry. Who does he play for every day of the week? Um, him and Dennis Bergkamp, Arsenal, um, and so since then I think FIFA '99 was my first video game, um, and it was I just played as them because they're my favorite players, um, okay. and they're the best team and have remained I think in my mind anyway the best team for some time, although they did miss out the title last year. That's okay. Have you had the opportunity to go to a game in person? Yeah, I did. About, uh, would have been six six or so years ago, Um, we went over for, it was the last game of the season, the game with, for those who follow um, English football, was the season Leicester won the title. Um, And Arsenal, when we booked tickets uh, about January, February, um, were looking like they were going to win the league. Um, And so we booked, Tickets. We were going to be over at a conference in Germany um, and book tickets for the last game of the season, hoping we were going to lift the trophy, only to be disappointed. Mm. Mm. Well, you've got to learn to live with disappointments in life sometimes. So I, You do. As, as any sports supporter will know, it's part of, part of winning is also sometimes you lose. I, I guess the probably the real question is, because uh, you're, a, you're a preacher, you know, you're mm-hmm. a, a leader in a church, how often do you weave football stories into your sermons? Or often, often. <laughs> Le- less, probably less so often um, Arsenal, uh, depending where I am. Obviously, here in Queensland, um, yeah, we support Queensland. Um, and so when, yeah, State of Origin comes up, and a few years ago there was a State of Origin on a Sunday, um, and whether they liked it or not, I did, did wear my Mar- Maroons <laughs> jersey um, on the day. Very good. No, it's nice to know that the people in leadership and churches are, you know, real people. So, oh, absolutely, you know. we, we we follow sport <laughs> as well. Not all of us, but many do. And look, it's it's what everyone else follows. Um, why would we be different? We're just not not that different from everyone else. Well, we're going to find out a few things about you very shortly. If you if you don't mind sharing, absolutely happy to share. Uh, about to learn uh, a little bit about the story of uh, Pastor Ben Henschke, who's my guest this morning. Sunday morning together. 
on Vision Christian Radio. Let's go back to the beginning. Uh, you mentioned before you were born in Renmark, South Australia, if I remember correctly. Yeah, Renmark. So three hours northeast of Adelaide towards Mildura, a little country town of, oh, it was about 8,000 people back then mm-hmm. uh, on the River Murray. Great part of the country. Oh, beautiful. What sort of family circumstance were you born into? Um, so I'm firstborn. So, yeah, mum and dad um, both um, grew up. Also in Renmark. Okay. Um, yeah, uh, from both farming and uh, mum's mum's dad was a was a builder. Um, built most of Renmark, and including the town clock, which is there's a whole contentious story for another day. Okay. Uh, <laughs> they just digitised it, and uh, oh, not everyone is a fan. Okay. Um, but uh, yeah, so I grew up there, um, and yeah, dad and mum bought uh, five acres, just about five k's out of town, um, and yeah, little vineyard. Um, and then over time, Dad was truck driver. Um, he did a bit of everything, um, including sheep um, or yeah, cattle work up at Charleville mm-hmm. um, up here in Queensland. So he's been pretty, and he also worked on the train line at Tarkula um, in Central Australia. So he'd been a bit of everywhere, but mm-hmm. yeah, settled settled down and wanted to um, drive trucks. Um, and yeah, they bought five five acres, uh, knocked out an acre to build a house. Um, but while the house was building, me um, being not not old enough to remember, um, we lived in a little, oh, I'm going to say it was an apartment. That would be glorifying it a little bit. It was a shed that had a bathroom built into the corner. Right. Uh, And, um, yeah, my sister came along a year after me um, and then brother a year later, but by then we'd moved into the house that they built. The house proper. The house proper. That's still there. We, yeah, go back most Christmases. Um, Sister and uh, brother-in-law now living there. Um, but uh, yeah, still, still is home um, for me. Mm, wonderful. Now you mentioned before, uh, as a teen, you mm-hmm. were big into football. Yeah. So pretty active sort of lifestyle by the sound of that. Yes, yes, yeah. Loved, loved playing sports uh, growing up. Yeah, predominantly football. Um, and then yeah, probably other passions were yeah involved um, with with youth group um, and stuff as part of church life. So yeah, mm-hmm. was brought up in the church. Um, yeah, grew up into there, um, and yeah, we like I said, most of the time went on Sundays. Um, there was a period where yeah, Dad was working on Sundays, um, and so we um, spoke with our local pastor and said, "Can we have church on a on a Saturday night?" Which uh, was was a bit of a thing back then. Mm. Um, but uh, we um, yeah, I think the pastor said, "Sure, if you sort of run it." And so between. Mum, dad, my brother, sister, and myself. Mum would play the piano. Um, dad would, uh, you know, be involved with helping with communion um, and often um, the prayers. And then between uh, the three three kids, one got to run the old overhead projector. Yeah. Um, one, Back in the day, yeah. Yeah, one, one was on readings um, and the other one was, you know, often helping collect the offering or, or helping in some other way. So. Mm, very hands-on. Yes, very much so. It was yeah, pretty much every, every time we were we were doing a role of some description. Yeah. yeah. So um, I understand um, mm. you actually ended up driving trucks for your dad at some point. How old were you yeah. when you started doing that? Um, so yeah, pretty much sixteen or uh, seventeen and a half, technically. It depends. Uh, yeah, we we drove him around the yard probably a little bit before that. Maybe when I was twelve. I think I was twelve. Dad put me in. Um, a truck, and I, I thought he was, you know, just showing me around. He was going to drive it, and then he said, showed me where the gears were, and then he jumped out. And I think his words were, "This is more valuable than your life. Don't crash it." 
Um, and look, admittedly, I was only reversing it 20 metres and, and taking it into the, the shed. Um, but those words, they stick with you. Um, and <laughs> Did you crash it? No, I didn't. Gee, I felt like I got close, though. The old clutch and, and brake, I was still a bit unsure with, but... I, I got it figured out. So, um, yeah, I used to work at um, Woolies actually um, during during school, and then yeah, start started working for Dad, and yeah, progressed through the license ranks up through yeah, little trucks to semis to yeah, road train equivalent license. Mm. But you didn't stick with that though. Didn't, no, didn't really gel with it. You. It didn't. No. So the plan was always um, yeah to pretty much take over Dad's business. That was what what I was. Going to do so. Started off, um, finished year twelve, went to university, was doing um, accounting and admin management, um, and yeah, was going to take over from dad. That's what firstborn sons apparently do. Um, that's what I thought I was going to do, but God had different plans. Um, was just not finding any joy in the study I was doing. Um, you know, I, I could do it. It wasn't a, a matter of it being hard. It was just not really what I felt like I was being called to do. Um, so I did some exploration. I went to um, uh, Tabor College down in Adelaide for, for six months to test whether that is what I wanted to do. Maybe, mm-hmm. you know, because I, I always, like I said, grew up in, in youth groups and, and loved doing that. Um, so I thought I would, I would give it a go. Uh, Bible study and training is one thing, but there's a point in your life where you actually kind of get it. Like if you, you grow up in the church, you're familiar with all these things, but then there has to be some point where there's an aha moment mm, about yes. relationship with God. What was that for yeah, you? Yeah, absolutely. So that for me when I was, I think I was 16, 17 at the time, um, we had a Lutheran national camp um, and it was over in Canberra mm-hmm. um, and was called Turning Point Camp. Um, went over, I think a whole busload of us from around South Australia went across for it. Um, and we had this one evening and we actually had um, Paul Coleman um, okay, was the singer. The, yeah, the singer was the, the speaker, just himself. He was part of the trio at the time, but it was just Paul there. And um, was, you know, gave a, a really good message, I'm sure. That was, was, wasn't bad, um, but that wasn't the focus. It was actually at the end of that time, there was, they put out this map of the world and they put it on the ground and said, you know, come over and if you feel led or called to pray for a particular place or area or space, um, to you know, they had little sticky notes, and you could go and and put one down. And I I I went over um, and just had that yeah, like you say, that uh, aha moment, that realization, and like I just stood in front and I just felt frozen almost, like mm. I I couldn't move, um, and at the same time just had tears, um, and was just like, God needs to be everywhere here. How can I? focus that on one particular place mm. um, and it, it, for me it was you know God God's grace is bigger than one place um, his grace and love for me is bigger than even just me um, and and for me that was that was the moment um, you know when it, when I re- reflect back it was was from there that that real then passion for being involved in, I guess, you know, you do the church stuff when you're young because I say mum and dad drag you along a little bit. Um, <laughs> but uh, growing up, it was from that point that, no, I wanted to do it. Yeah. Um, this was this was real for me. Um, you know, sharing the grace and gospel was what I wanted to do. Um, and, yeah, it was, was that real pivotal moment. 
So that was when you were 17. Yeah. How old were you when you ended up going to do theological studies? Um, I was about, oh, what was I, 19 then, I think. Okay. Yeah, so give or take. Fairly short gap. Yes, yeah, yep. So it was, look, it was as much as I, I didn't still see myself as being a pastor then. Um, you know, it was I didn't really even know that pastor was like a career opportunity mm. um, or something. You know, you always had pastors growing up, but I didn't know that you'd you trained. It was all, all a new thing, to they be honest. All, they were just there. They were just there. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So um, it was, yeah, then then going. So, yeah, like I said, went to Tarbor for a bit, um, college, and then went to Australian Lutheran College where I did my um, degree, um, so Bachelor of Theology, Bachelor of Ministry, which is the requirements in the Lutheran Church. Um, and then, yeah, it was actually along that journey that I think that I say almost like the blessing of dad was passed on. because. Right. As firstborn son, I did feel a little bit of that pressure of, you know, take over dad's business. Like I said, I do have a brother um, who inevitably is, he still works for dad now. Um, they've still got the, the trucking business there in Loxton. But um, it was um, a point, I think we were, oh, I must have been a couple of years into my, my study. And uh, in, in Adelaide, there was a, a chain of restaurants called Faster Pasta. Mm-hmm. And, you know, dad's joke, as dad's jokes always go, was, why don't you train there? Wouldn't that be faster than, <laughs> you know, the, the four and five years I was doing? And, um, it, but it was that, that real sense of, it was actually dad who, because initially I was just studying to be a youth worker. Right, that that was my my goal was I'll I'll do this I'll be a youth worker youth pastor, um and it was Dad who said what well, what's the difference between doing sort of that course or that degree and and one where you could be a pastor to anyone, and and it was one year, and he's like well wh- why don't you do that and then you can can make a bit mm. of a choice, mm. um and and it was actually like as we turn out look I love young people. Um, now, would I love to be a youth pastor? I'm so glad that there are people that are gifted for that, is my response. <laughs> yes, yeah, so there's people who are gifted with uh, patching the walls up as well after the, <laughs> the youth are finished. Absolutely. As I said earlier on, you have these pictures of someone with bishop in their title of, I don't know, perhaps being a little stuffy. I, I, <laughs> I hope you don't mind me, mind me saying no, that. No, that's fine. But, um, you know, you're a, you've, you've driven road trains. You've done, yeah. you're, you're, you're a football fanatic. Mm. Uh, and I understand that um, you also like a bit of adventure. I do, yes. So, um, yeah, recently um, me and my wife, we, um, yeah, had a call from a friend down in um, uh, Tanunda in uh, Barossa Valley, mm-hmm. and he said, um, hey, you guys like bushwalking? And and we do. Me and my wife often will go out for bushwalks on a weekend. Um, and he's like, oh, I'm, I'm thinking I've got a few other friends, and we're thinking of, of climbing up to Everest Base Camp. Oh. Wow, you, that's a that's some bushwalk. That, that is. He's like, would you be interested? And and I think it took me maybe oh, three to five seconds. And I said, we'll be there. Um, and look, it was it was a big journey, um, but absolutely loved it. When was this? Um, oh, gee, now you've got me. Uh, I want to say about five or six years ago. Okay. Um, yeah, pre pre COVID. Um, yeah, we we went up and we went um, because he works in a school, so we had to go during the pretty much the summer school holidays to give us enough time. Mm-hmm. Um, so we actually so it's winter time there. Winter time there, exactly. So it was freezing. Wow. Um, we were pretty much the with our guide that um, led us up. We were the last journey he was doing before their off season. That's how close we were to essentially it being too cold to walk. Um, yeah, so we look uh, on the way there. You you go up some significant heights, um, breathability, um, like as in oxygen ratios. Mm-hmm. Um, when you're at sea level, you 
if that's 100% of the oxygen available. Um, at base camp, you're at about 50%. Wow. Um, wow. So, yeah, which gives you an idea that it's, you know, pretty much every two breaths you're still only getting the same amount of oxygen. Because base camp does kind of sound like, oh, that's not much of a deal. But on Everest, it is, isn't it? It's, oh, yeah. It's actually quite high. Yeah, you're talking over almost, oh, no, it would be two and a half times higher than the highest point in Australia. Um, wow. Yeah, five and a half thousand metres, give or take, yep. um, depending on the, the day and where the base camp is at the time. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's uh, – I'm trying to remember. It was about a, a nine-day nine journey up, um, four-day – much quicker to come come down, funnily enough. Mm. Um, but, yeah, a long journey up, including a couple of acclimatisation days. Um, so just to get used to the, the altitude and the, the breathability. Um, but yeah, the day that we summited, it was around middle of the day, about minus 20, um, give or take, with around a minus 20 wind chill factor. My it was goodness. blowing. That's cold. It, it, it was, I remember having, I think it was five layers on. Um, we did 17 Ks of walking that day. Um, at all above 5,000 metres above sea level. Mm. Um, and I don't remember being hot once. <laughs> yeah, that's incredible. It was chilly. And and it was cra- crazy to think that even after nine, well, a, a plane in nine days, we still were actually only at the, the base of the largest mountain in the world. Mm. Uh, were there any big lessons out of that, do you think? You came back and you, you it changed you somehow. Yeah, oh, look, absolutely. The sense of stillness and quietness and beauty of God's creation. Um, and part of that is because we were in that off-season, you know, last some of the last journeys for the year. And it, not many other people there. Correct. It was just you just go over a rise and there's just no one and nothing and just every angle that you look at is just you just go, wow, God created this. This is just, it's awesome in that true sense of the word awesome. Mm. Yeah, that's amazing. Um, I I can't say I've done anything like that, (laughs) uh, and I'm just trying to imagine what it would be like to be doing it in those kind of freezing temperatures. Yes. It's pretty incredible. It was. There was, uh, yes, some purchases of some warm equipment that, funnily enough, hasn't been used much since here in Queensland. (laughs) Yeah, I can imagine. Um, But we do have plans. Not not even if you're in Tasmania. No. It doesn't get that cold. No. We do have plans. Um, Yeah, hopefully. We're keen to do um, Kilimanjaro. Um, in Africa, okay. Um, hopefully, in the next couple of years, is the plan to the top. Um, to the top, yeah. It's about the same height, um, give or take. About two and a half. Uh, sorry, five and a half thousand. Yeah, yep. Um, and yeah, we're just waiting for our daughter to be old enough that okay. she can join us. Good stuff. You're up for adventure, and you did that as well when you married your your wife, now wife. Yeah, absolutely. We did so back uh, April 14, 2007. Um, married Kelly. Um, so we've been married what 16 years now. Um, and yeah, look, that's been quite the adventure and look, started on, well, probably before our wedding day, but particularly on our wedding day where, um, she arrived in actually one of dad's prime movers, um, to the wedding. <laughs> yes. So we needed what? to get a, a step ladder for her to get in and out and everything. Yeah. Was it dressed up with the, the ribbons on the front? Yeah. Had the ribbon and everything. Yep. Absolutely. Uh, dear, I can imagine. How did she get out of it in a wedding dress? Uh, not easily is is the answer. Okay. Um, yes, with with some difficulty. She probably doesn't have the same 
fond memories that the pictures have recorded. Okay. All right. But these days, uh, you've got a daughter. Yeah. You've got a dog, I understand. Yes, we do. What does family home life look like like for you? Oh, look, um, yeah, really, really good. Uh, So our daughter, Maddie, um, yeah, came into our our care actually on our 15th wedding anniversary. Right. Um, The day of um, one of those, yeah, sort of moments, um, which was really cool. And, um, yeah, so she's um, turned nine now. Um, and, yeah, we've got Leo. He's three. Somehow his birthday also makes it on the calendar and he gets a birthday cake every year. Um, I'm less keen on it because it's often, yeah. Mash- Leo's the dog, right? Leo's the dog, okay. yeah. That's the, the mashed potato and, and bacon pieces um, cake, which okay. is not quite to my palate, but tell you what, he loves it. I'm sure he would. Um, yeah, so look, yeah, family life. Um, yeah, I, I get to do most um, school pickups, um, which, which is fun. Um, but definitely, yeah, be, been, a, been a change um, for us over the last couple of years, um, but exciting as well. Um, and, yeah, we do a lot of family adventures. Recently, we were down in, in Sydney. Um, you know, you talk about football. Um, we were down there for the NRL grand final. Um, personally, we came home a little disappointed. wasn't quite the result we wanted. Um, but, yeah, we, we love going on, on adventures together. Mm. And I understand you've got a, a new adventure that's happening at the moment in the context of your family uh, in, in adoption. Yeah, so we're working towards uh, that permanent care with um, with Maddie, and so that's yeah really exciting for us. Um, yeah, it, it's a, a long journey and, and process, um, but yeah, look, we we love her and love her being part of our family, and and so trying to make that as as permanent as as we can. Mm, that's fantastic, really good. What do you reckon? And I don't know if your wife's listening at the mm. moment. So Kelly, if you are, just you know close your ears, <laughs> and she's just leant in. Yeah. <laughs> What's the biggest lesson you've learned? In, in the time that you've been married now. So 2007 to mm. 23, so, you know, what have we got, 15, 16 years there? Yeah, I should be a pro, right? Yeah, that's right. Um, I think um, the – well, interesting you talk about listening because I think that is probably the biggest lesson is, okay. is to listen um, and listen to what everyone else is really saying. Um, you know, sometimes when we're in the heat of a, let's say, a spirited debate, um, we're so quick to – Cut in um, and jump and put across our point of view, but actually listen. What's what's the real underlying possible hurts or mm. concern, yeah. and be able to speak then life and grace into that. Yeah, that's good advice. Mm. Good advice. See you, Kelly. <laughs> He's learned something. <laughs> At least one thing, anyway. <laughs> yeah. This is Sunday morning together across Australia on Vision Christian Radio. And we've come to that juncture of the morning where it's time for the best five-minute sermon that you'll hear today. Uh, I think he's up to the ch- up for the challenge right now. My guest and co-host is Pastor Ben Henschke uh, from the Lutheran Church. You ready? I'm ready. All Let's right. do this. What what are we uh, what are we doing this morning? All right. Well, today I want to share with uh, listeners from Paul's letter to the church in Galatia, chapter one, and reading from verse three. Um, Paul writes to the churches in Galatia. He says, "Grace and peace to you." from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins to rescue us from the present evil age, according to the will of our God and Father, to whom be glory for ever and ever. Amen. And this whole letter that Paul writes is like dynamite. It is truly an explosion of joy and freedom, which leaves us enjoying a deep significance, security and satisfaction. It's the life of blessing that God calls his people into. 
And the reason for that, I think, is because so often for those of us who are Christians is we see the gospel as something for those people who are not yet Christians, almost like a a set of basic teachings that are the way into which someone can enter into the kingdom of God. And once we've gone through that as Christians, we sometimes tend to think that maybe we don't need to hear or study or understand the gospel and we need some more, I don't know, maybe some advanced Bible study material instead. But throughout Galatians, what I think we see is Paul outlining that the gospel is not only the way to enter into the kingdom, it's actually the way to live as a part of the kingdom because it's the way that Christ transforms people transforms you, transforms me, transforms churches, and transforms community. And Paul's telling the Galatians and us that all they need, in fact, all that they could ever need is the gospel of God's unmerited grace to them through Christ's life, death, and resurrection. That's it. Too often we get caught up in the things that we should be doing. You know, we tell people that they need to do this, that, or the other to become better Christians, whatever that might mean. But Paul, he doesn't do that here. He just calls the Galatians and us to live out the implications of the gospel because we all need the gospel. We all need the gospel to change our lives from top to bottom, to transform our hearts and our thinking and our approach really to absolutely everything. And the gospel, that message, that we're actually more wicked than we probably ever truly dare to believe, yet are more loved and more accepted in Christ than we truly dare to even hope, it actually creates a radical new dynamic for our own personal growth, obedience, and love. And my prayer is that this gospel dynamite will explode in your heart today and encourage you with passion to see that same work occur in the hearts of other people as well. And Paul, he really summarizes the gospel very succinctly for us. Firstly, he talks about who we are, because we're each helpless and lost. Other founders of religion, they came to teach, but Jesus came to rescue. And you don't rescue people unless they're in a lost state or helpless condition, do you? I mean, imagine if someone was drowning. You don't throw at them an instruction manual on how to swim, do you? And Jesus is not so much a teacher as he is a rescuer. Because a good teacher is not going to get us to heaven, but a rescuer can, will, and has. And that leads us into the second thing to talk about, which is what Jesus did. What did he do? Well, quite simply, he gave himself for your sin. And that's what makes this gospel message so revolutionary. Jesus didn't merely buy us a a second chance draw, giving us another opportunity to try and get our lives right and stay with God. He did all that we needed to do, but that we cannot do. Jesus did what we should have done. He died a cruel death in our place, and that, that is grace. Because when we have faith in him as our Lord and Savior, we are then absolutely free from penalty or condemnation. And then the third part of this gospel message is why God did it. It's not because of anything that we've done. It is because of grace. Our God is a God of love and grace. And Christ, by grace, came to achieve the rescue we could never have achieved for ourselves. There is nothing in us which merits it. Salvation is is grace. 
And the gospel is described here by Paul is very clear that salvation from first to last, beginning to end, is God's doing. It is his calling, his plan, his action, his work. And so the only one who deserves any and all of the glory for all of time is him. So my prayer is that each of us remain as servants of Christ, bringing the gospel of Jesus plus nothing else to others as we seek to know Christ, but also make Christ known by bringing his love to life. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the gospel, for your grace, for your son Jesus, his life, death and resurrection that gives us hope, life and salvation. Lead us in sharing your love with others. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Sunday morning together with Phil Edwards on Vision. Thank you so much for your uh, your great five minute message. Yeah, was, you're welcome. Thanks for the opportunity to share. It was uh, was really good, and you were right on the on the nail of five minutes too, which is a, a bit of a challenge sometimes. I know <laughs> it is. It is. It's. It's. I was chatting to someone the other day. It's. It's it takes a lot more work to keep it shorter. It certainly does. It, it's a real skill. Mm. And, and look, you're someone who's no stranger to, to challenges. You mm-hmm. mentioned earlier on you've climbed the base camp of Everest. And you just mentioned to me before that you, you and your wife spent um, some time where she actually went off and lived in the Philippines for a little while. Yes. Yeah, that so must have been challenging. That, that was. So she had, yeah, she's always had a passion. So she's an occupational therapist. Right. And always had a passion to use her skill to go somewhere in a developing country to actually use her, I guess, gifts, talents, abilities um, and what she'd studied in to, to serve others. And so she signed up for as an Australian volunteer for international development um, and, yeah, was um, sent to, well, initially was going to be going to Bangladesh, um, but the um, conflict situation meant that that was not possible at the time and so ended up at Legazpi City, which is about a, it's a one-hour flight from Manila in the Philippines, so mm-hmm. on the on the main South Luzon island. Um, but it's about um, twenty to twenty-five hours by bus, um, depending on the road condition. Yeah, wow. Um, and is yeah. is that a, a fairly poor area? Oh, absolutely. She so she went, was um, at a school, um, little primary school of about oh, four thousand kids. Um, I say little, little. It was, yeah, it was not <laughs> I little like at to all. See a big one. Yes, um, uh, but it, it was in in their sense. It was a little school, um, and working particularly with those children with special needs. So you went over there to, to visit uh, a few times. A few times, yeah. It was it was uh, ten months in total. So I thought I'd better let her know and remind her who her husband was from time to time. <laughs> had you been anywhere like that before? No, that was my first time. Wait, wait. Um, we had gone to New Zealand, but that's obviously very different. Well, I mean, New Zealand and Australia are pretty similar, but yes. the Philippines quite different or anywhere that's in that sort of third world kind of context yeah. can be quite confronting. Was that the case for you? Oh, absolutely. You know, just even exiting the Manila airport um, – and just seeing, you know, people on the streets begging for food or money or anything um, just blows you away. You know, we, we don't see that much in Australia. I'm not saying it doesn't happen, but we probably don't see it um, as clearly. Um, but just the general, I guess, you know, things that we would often say might not be, you know, clean. Mm. Um, that's just, that's run of the mill over there. That, that's how they've grown up. They, they don't see any issue with it. Yeah. Um, but it is, you know, as someone from a, a Western background, Walking in, yeah, your eyes are, yeah, your well and truly mind is blown. Do you think it's given you an appreciation for Australia more? 
Absolutely. And and also a desire to go and serve in, in other places as well. So um, one of the things that at my previous church prior to this role, um, we um, set up a partnership with a church in Myanmar, um, previously Burma, mm-hmm. um, to, to go and, and serve them, um, which is, yeah, look, not dissimilar in terms of, um, like you say, developing countries um, and really a passion to, to serve them with the grace um, of God, and you know, we it gives you an appreciation of how good we have it here. Mm. To be honest, yeah, I'm fascinated by your wife's decision to sign up as a volunteer, mm. and I'm just thinking there's probably people listening right now saying, "Ah, oh, I'd love to do that." W- was there something? I mean, maybe it's in her personality, but was there any particular catalyst for her to go, "I'm actually going to do it"? Um, yeah, well, like I said, it was something she had had on the back burner. You know, she'd always wanted to do it ever since, um, you know, she was younger. Mm. Um, you know, probably even if she'd taken a gap year after high school, she probably would have done it then. Um, but yeah, it was then after her degree and then having that, like I said, skills and training, she saw this opportunity come up and just said, yeah, I'm going. Um, and I had, I guess, been on that journey with her. Yeah. Um, so that when she said, I'm going, I was half expecting it, but it still did catch me by surprise. Okay. <laughs> yes. <laughs> 10 months is a long time. Uh, yeah, it is a long time. But clearly, you, you got through it. Absolutely, and, yes. And, and good things happen. Yeah. Sunday morning together across Australia on Vision Christian Radio. Almost to the end of our time together this morning. Phil's my name, and my guest this morning has been uh, Pastor Ben Henschke. Thank you so much, uh, Pastor Ben, for uh, for coming in and, and sharing with us. No, thanks for having me. It's been been a pleasure. One final duty, if I could lean on you, to lead us in a prayer for Australia, an important day that we should be praying uh, for our nation. You know, we've had uh, an interesting year leading through this whole mm. process with a referendum, and there's going to be, uh, I think, some people trying to figure out, all right, what does this mean moving forward today? Yeah. Uh, so a good time for us to pray for our nation. Always. Can you lead us? Absolutely. Let, let's pray, shall we? Gracious God, we give praise to your amazing name for your mercy and your kindness to us. You came to us through your son Jesus, full of grace and full of truth. Before the foundation of the world, you chose us as your own. And we thank and praise you for that. We ask that you revive and refresh us and our nation by your Holy Spirit so that we can continue to confess your name before others, pray for our neighbours and demonstrate your love shown to us through the good works that we show into the communities that we live, work and serve. Lord, we thank you for this land and all who live in it, all who visit it and all those who lead our nation's affairs. We ask that you give us a love of truth and justice. Help all citizens to serve their neighbours through their vocations. Help those who are unemployed or whose work is difficult or dangerous or stressful. Strengthen all families and the bond of marriage. Give all children and young people a renewed respect for their parents and guide parents in the raising of their children. Lord God, how great is your power that you would guide the nations of the world. Continue to curb evil and bring oppression to an end. And we pray especially for the current conflict in Israel and for other conflicts that are happening around the world right now. Bring your peace, a peace that goes beyond anything that we could comprehend or understand, and let that peace reign throughout the world. Lord, today we pray especially for our First Nations people. 
And we ask that you continue to guide and lead us as we seek to bring reconciliation to yourself so that we can then go out and be reconciled to each other. Father, you've chosen us to receive the peace that only you can give. Continue to guard our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus and hear all these prayers that we now offer in his name. Amen. Amen. Well, thank you so much. It's been wonderful to get to know you a little bit. Likewise. And again, thank you, thank you for, uh, for coming in and sharing some of your story and, and, uh, and some good words with us this morning. It's been really encouraging. No worries. Thanks, thanks for having me on. And, and yeah, God's blessings to all. And to you. It's Pastor Ben Henschke, the uh, first assistant bishop of the Lutheran Church in the District of Queensland. And that's about it uh, this morning. Thank you so much for spending some time with us today. We'll catch you again next week for more Sunday Morning Together. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.